0: talking through some of the backstory from what was introduced last week uh, I mentioned to you that um, last week the, we were talking about Jehoash and the great movement of rebuilding that he brought to the land uh, specifically Jerusalem in the in the temple that God had given to them there and so we want to talk through some of the backstory with that I was very much intrigued last week as we were talking about him and all that transpired leading up to him hey did you know we're about three weeks away from walking into our new facility and uh, glory be to God for that it's been a long time coming a lot of sacrificial gifts have been coming in some continuing to give 94% funded that project is and that's just an amazing victory of our Lord only he could gloriously challenge the people in that way and move us to respond in obedience in that way and so many of that is continuing today among our faith family and grateful for that for those of you who are contributing to the chested joash offering thank you for that that's making a great difference and then just the regular sacrificial giving that we have going on I'm grateful I'm thankful to be your pastor during these days. These are exciting days and uh, looking forward to great, great years ahead. Well, can you believe we're already here at Thanksgiving week? And in just a little bit, we'll say, can you believe it's already Christmas? and then glory be to God we will say can you believe it's already 2021 <laughs> that will be a good opportunity for us I want to talk today about a prophecy that was spoken to David the king by Nathan the prophet regarding his throne and the succession of that throne which would ultimately succeed when Christ himself the son of God would sit on the throne of the kingdom of God and today's passage that we're using to build to our reference for today uh, will help us to discover the fullness of that. Now, let's read this together. This is from uh, the Second Chronicles, uh, excuse me, Second Samuel chapter 7. When your days are fulfilled, speaking of David, when your days are fulfilled and you lie down with your fathers, that is, you die and you're buried in the place of your fathers, I will raise up your offspring after you who shall come from your body and and I will establish his kingdom, and he shall build a house for my name, and I will establish the throne of his kingdom forever. So obviously there's some good news in that for David and for Solomon, that Solomon, David's son, would take the throne, and would establish the temple there in Jerusalem after the name of God. But really, the verse 16 highlights this even more, and your house and your kingdom shall be made sure forever before me, your throne shall be established forever. Now, this is intriguing to us because the prophet is not just talking about David's son Solomon, but he's talking about the order of David throughout the lineage, the the line of David, all the way to the messiah jesus christ who comes from the lineage of david in fact you and i are soon to celebrate christmas together and as we're celebrating christmas we will talk about the lineage of david and how jesus came from that line So here he's speaking not just of sons, but he's speaking about a descendant who would be born, the the God-man born of a virgin who would sit on the eternal throne. So Nathan is obviously speaking about Jesus Christ. So for God's promise to David and to those who would follow him in his line, for that to be true and accurate, it would mean that his line, David's line, must stay intact all the way till... The eternal king would come until christ would come incarnate and then he would rightfully take his throne after his death and then uh, resurrection and ascension to take the throne of god in the kingdom of heaven now during solomon's reign god sent a prophet named ahijah to declare a prophecy to a man who is an official not of the king's line but an official of the king and his name is jeroboam in a very unique prophecy ahijah comes to jeroboam with new clothes on and he meets him in the open country as jeroboam has come out of the city and in the open country there he meets the prophet aegiah and he takes off his new clothes and he begins to rip up his clothes in 12 pieces and he hands the pieces 10 of them to jeroboam and he declares this prophecy thus saith the Lord the God of Israel behold I am about to tear the kingdom from the hand of Solomon and will give you 10 tribes now this is a red alert Uh, this will ultimately mean that Solomon is going to seek the death of Jeroboam by the way He, he runs down to Egypt and hides there until the appropriate time but this is a big deal because what is the prophecy that Nathan has given David the prophecy is The line of the throne will continue through you. And now you have someone, an official of the king who is not from the line of the king you have somebody else taking the throne but it's not the fullness of the throne it's just 10 tribes 10 of the 12 tribes are going to be taken over by him and verse 32 gives us a glimmer of hope but he shall have one tribe for the sake of my servant David and for the sake of Jerusalem the city that I've chosen out of all the tribes of Israel so in this in Judah the tribe of Judah is the city of Jerusalem and God is saying I'm going to have the line of David rule in that place in Jerusalem those two tribes and it's really he's talked about one tribe because it's it's Judah's the great tribe Benjamin is a very small tribe that has aligned itself uh, in in impartial ways to Jerusalem but anyway there there you see a distinction God is breaking off the kingdom he's dividing it and i'm not giving you all the history and because you're not going to eat lunch with me while we're eating here while we're uh, preaching here uh, i'm not giving you all the history but the truth is god is dividing the kingdom and he does it in very unique ways you might want to go back and read that history but it does it in unique ways for the purpose of israel's sinfulness israel has turned away from god They have turned away from worshiping God and serving God, and he is going to break that off, and he's going to have a kingdom unto themselves, the northern kingdom, and he gives them the opportunity for grace and mercy, gives them the opportunity to come back to him, but they never do. But the Lord foretells that the line of David would rule the smaller southern kingdom there in Jerusalem. Jeroboam walked away with 10 pieces of garments and a promise that he would rule the 10 tribes of the northern kingdom as I mentioned he goes off to Egypt to uh, really save his life then after Solomon dies he comes back and again there's a lot of history to this Rehoboam the son of of uh, Solomon is now ruling Uh, but Rehoboam is going to rule in the southern kingdom and Jeroboam is going to rule in the northern kingdom now spring forward with me if you will because Jeroboam did not want the people to return back to Jerusalem to worship. Now what did that prophecy say? God has chosen one place for which the people are to worship him. That one place was the temple in Jerusalem. But Jeroboam has said, I really don't want my people going down there. I don't want them going into the tribe of Judah. I don't want them going to Jerusalem. So you know what he does? he establishes places of worship by his own choosing and he determines that he wants the worship of his kingdom to take place all the way to the north in dan or in bethel and because he's not building a a temple unto the lord here's what he does he builds altars with golden calf images for his people to worship and of course that is going to be deadly it's going to be very costly god will judge him and he will die in that judgment a very painful death and the the resulting uh, of that would be that the people move away from god now if you read kings and you read chronicles and i think you ought to do that you'll find the history of kings and the people in both israel and judah there you'll find that there will not be a single king of the twenty of the northern kingdom who will ever be given to the heart of God and you'll only find a handful of them that are going to be given to the way of God in the southern kingdom now spring forward about 35 years after the death of Jeroboam and you have life in the divided kingdom you have a king to the north called Ahab and if you know anything about Ahab you probably know he's married married to an evil woman named Jezebel and she has introduced her husband and then the whole kingdom to the idolatrous worship of Baal and things are are obviously breaking apart you have a king to the north Ahab and a king to the south Jehoshaphat and just so you can keep it straight I put an N on his chest and I put an S on his chest so you know which one belongs to the north and which one belongs to the south you can't get more different than these two guys ahab is as evil as they come there's not going to be another wicked king like him that's what the bible says of all the kings before him there's not been one that would calculate to the level of wickedness that ahab has jehoshaphat is different jehoshaphat is following after the way of david he's following after the way of the lord doesn't mean he's perfect he's not but he is serving and worshiping god two very different people Jehoshaphat does something that's absolutely foolish though he makes a grave mistake that is going to be costly for all generations it comes in this one little verse now Jehoshaphat had great riches and honor and he made a marriage alliance with Ahab now that sort of seems benign when we just read it because a lot of political marriages take place but here's a man Jehoshaphat who's following after the way of God and God has given him great riches and honor and here's a man who is idolatrous and leading people away from God full of evil and wickedness and now the two of them get together to decide why don't my son marry your daughter and the two of them will become one and we will have an alliance together now that doesn't seem like much because it's common in that day for women to marry men for political purposes or the man to marry a woman for political purposes and it's also very much a custom for royal families to get together to put their sons and daughters together in marriage it probably means that a kingdom won't fight another kingdom if the two kingdoms are family by marriage it's pretty certain that you're going to fight for more territory or more riches or more power but if it's your family maybe you'll have less likelihood of fighting. Now, those of us who live in families know that that's probably not gonna happen. But at any rate, uh, that was the thought. And it becomes a absolutely foolish daughter when Athaliah, the daughter of Ahab and Jezebel, and Jehoram, the son of Jehoshaphat, marry. Now, everything for the beginning seems to go okay, but it quickly falls apart things don't go well when Jehoshaphat dies and Jehoram takes over. As long as Jehoshaphat is ruling in the way of God, the kingdom seems to be doing well. But when his son dies, when he dies and his son takes over, Jehoram takes the throne with Athaliah, the daughter of Jezebel, at his side, things just really break down. Once he's crowned, Jehoram kills all of his brothers anybody who he thinks might be a threat to the throne he kills them executes them and he alone is the the one who can take the throne he alone is the descendant of David to do that and when you look at the summary of the way his life and his rule is is mentioned in second chronicles you'll see how bad it is and he walked in the way of the kings of Israel now time out for a minute. remember his dad has the s on his chest right his dad is king of the southern kingdom his dad has been following after the way of god but his son is walking in the way of the kings of israel now what do we know about the kings of israel all 20 of them are evil they're wicked they're they're following after the things that are not of god and they're leading people to to walk away from god but now here's the son who is following after the way of the kings of israel as the the house of ahab had done for the daughter of ahab was his wife and he did what was evil in the sight of the Lord now one generation has moved you have the throne of Judah is now evil and idolatrous just as the throne of Israel have been and in both cases it's the wives who influence their husbands to move towards idolatry and vile wicked practices and that just calls us to pause for a minute to conclude the person you marry will affect your future and the future generations to come choose well choose well if you're dating today the person you are dating should be one who is surrendered totally to Jesus Christ and seeking after him following his will and walking in his ways and if that person is not you must break it off now If you're considering dating someone that potentially could be a partner to you for the rest of your life, a spouse given to you in marriage, let that person be God-centered. Let that person be one who would help pursue holiness in your life and your lives together we must demand ourselves and our children and our grandchildren to marry godly children godly people who have surrendered their lives to Jesus Christ to marry and become one with someone not given to Jesus Christ is absolutely foolish and told by God himself to not happen our future generations are dependent on the choice of the person we marry God demands that we go into marriage equally yoked he says it outright do not be unequally yoked with unbelievers for what partnership has righteousness with lawlessness or what fellowship has light with darkness so Jehoshaphat thought it was a good idea for his son to marry Ahab's daughter for political purposes I can tell you there's no more stupid idea than that because it's to go contrary to the will and the way of God purposefully and it not only brings consequence to their families it brings consequence to the entirety of the kingdoms and as important as it is it actually makes it where the line of david is almost completely destroyed and when the line of david is destroyed the messiah cannot come so these events lead us up to our text today in second kings chapter 11 we're springing forward to the next generation now where Jehoram and Athaliah have a son the two the daughter and the son married now together have a son and his name is Ahaziah Uh, and Ahaziah takes his father's throne now he's killed shortly after taking the throne and that throws the monarchy in chaos look what the the word says for today second kings chapter 11 verse 1 now when Athaliah the mother of Ahaziah saw that her son was dead. She rose and destroyed all the royal family. Now remember, her husband, who's now deceased, has already killed all the son, all the brothers. Now she is rising up and she's destroying all the family. When Jehoram took the throne and he killed all of his brothers. He made himself the only immediate heir to the throne. He died by God's judgment by an intestinal disease. Literally, his intestines were out of his body in significant pain when he died. Ahaziah, his son, took the throne when he was 22 years old. And he only reigned for a year. He actually died on the battlefield. Well, he was struck by an arrow in the battlefield and tried to get away from the battlefield and actually bled out sometime later but when he died the queen mother rose up and she ensures that the throne is going to belong to her she kills all the royal family as far as Athaliah knows that's the way the story is going to end there's no descendant of David who can rise and take the throne for which she now sits and an evil plot Athaliah has taken the throne that has been promised by God to the descendants of David she comes from a wicked line of idolaters from the northern kingdom and now she has taken the throne which belonged to the line of david and unto the lord now more than for greed of power at the motive was to destroy the davidic line to thwart the promises of god and to bring to an end the hope of the messiah and i know that to be true because she serves another god and she worships another god Like her mother, Athaliah is an evil God-hater who believes that she has crushed the hopes of the promises of God. In her wicked mind, Baal has victoriously given her the throne of God, which he promised to David. Athaliah is one of the ever-increasing numbers of God-haters who continue to try to discount the word of God and the promises of God and destroy the people of God and to deflate the hope of the saints of God. If you ever wonder, why is it that so many people have such disdain for God and His Word? Why they are insatiably hungry for godless power? Well, it roots back to Genesis 3, when the devil came to Adam and Eve and he proposed a sinful notion to them that if they just followed His Word, they would be like God and would know good and evil and from that point forward people have rebelled against god rejected his call to be submissive unto him many people hate the moral absolutes of god that are mentioned in the bible they reject god's laws they despise the idea that every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that jesus is lord they belittle the notion they deny the truth and they destroy the way they attempt to kill god and the message of god Athaliah was one of those people and she's in a line of history of people that are like that trying to thwart the way of god through violence in matthew chapter 2 it's herod who tries to do the same he kills every hebrew male child two years old and younger in a hope to kill the messiah we saw in the subsequent years the followers of jesus christ are really beaten and imprisoned and martyred because of the sake of the gospel trying to stop the gospel momentum the world haters of Christ and his followers are hating Christ and his followers because they love darkness and they hate light. It's the reason why John gave us a forewarning saying, don't be surprised brothers that the world hates you. That's a word for us today, friends. Don't be surprised that the world hates you. They hate your God they hate the moral standing of your God they hate the absolutes of your God they want to live life their way not God's way and this has historically been how sinful people are now we don't have to wait for the antichrist as described in Daniel chapter 7 or 2nd Thessalonians chapter 2 or revelation 13 we don't have to wait for him to pound his evil fist against the followers of Christ it is grossly evident today among Christians throughout the world in places like North Korea and Afghanistan and Somalia and Libya and Pakistan and Sudan and Iran and India and 140 other countries that are identified where Christians are persecuted and martyred in significant ways we shouldn't be naive as well here in the United States Christians are facing an increased attack from politicians and commercial leaders and cultural leaders. They are subservient, uh, subverting religious freedoms, specifically Christian freedoms. The cancel culture is not only rejecting the word of god they are rejecting people who believe the word of god and who proclaim the word of god and they are purposefully eroding the values of the judeo christian faiths that have been grounded in this country for so long and they are led by the progressives of the day the culturally progressive people don't let that identifier just go right over your head to be progressive means you are moving away from that which is fundamental. That which is fundamental is an eternal word of God that is given to us with absolutes in moral and conviction. It's this word that is eternal. It always has been eternal. It forever will be eternal. One day this world is going to go away, but this word will not. This world will, word will stand forever. This is for which we live fundamentally. We are fundamentally Bible people. We live with this being our sole authority for living. This is the way we think. A progressive says, no, we're not going to be fundamentally this. We're going to progress our life beyond this. We've come away from that to be progressive. They're God haters. Abroad here in the U.S. and around the world, they are God haters who reject God and his word but I want you to know as history will prove to be the fact that God's word is everlasting it is a truth that remains sharp and effective and it stands the test of critics and it stands the test of time and God's church not only withstands the attacks of the enemy it marches forward gaining ground one soul at a time and all the powers of hell cannot conquer the church of Jesus Christ the saints of God stand victoriously with Jesus Christ who will eternally judge the living and the dead and he will condemn his enemies. In First Kings chapter 11, Athaliah thought that she had the upper hand, that she had thwarted God's covenant with David, but I always love it when the Bible starts with a negative conjunction, but Jehoshaphat. Here, here's a transformational thing when Athaliah thought that the promise was gone the word of God was ended and the Davidic throne was forever done away with God says but but Jehoshaphat the daughter of the king Joram sister of Ahaziah took Joash the son of Ahaziah and stole him away from among the king's sons who were being put to death and she put him and his nurse in a bedroom thus they hid him from Athaliah so that he was not put to death and he remained with her six years hidden in the house of the Lord while Athaliah reigned over the land really Jehoshaphat is what drew me back to this text if you're wondering why are you going in reverse order last week we were actually teaching out of the next chapter and I've gone back a chapter you you're probably thinking why don't you do that in in the order in which it comes I was going to teach on Jehoash or Joash, as his name is spelled differently in a couple of books. I was going to preach on on him and the story of his chest, Uh, inspired that you and I would give offering based on that. But as I was doing the the background study, I could not get away from Jehoshua. She's an amazing woman. And probably many of us have never really studied her. Some of you have never even heard of her. What an amazing account she is. She's the daughter of the deceased king, Jehoram. She's the sister of the deceased king, Ahaziah. She's the wife of Jehoiada, the priest. She's the heroic aunt who stole away her nephew, the baby son and prince of the kingdom. And she saves him from his his, uh, grandmother's deadly hand, providing the only way for the continuance of the Davidic line from whom the Messiah would come so when circumstances are dire and it looks like the enemy is the victor we should remember based on this story jesus the sovereign lord of all makes way for the fulfillment of his word when you think things are breaking down and it is not going to come about that the promises are not going to hold true that the covenant is going to break apart i want you to know jesus always always makes way for his promises and word to hold true it will be fulfilled in this case the provision came from a woman that we know very little about but who quickly saw the evil tragedy unfolding and then acted swiftly to steal away that baby prince and and his nurse so that he could take the throne one day she put him in the basement of the temple in the sleeping quarters in the quarters for which I think she probably lives with her husband Jehoiada the priest who knows about what is unfolding and I think helps her although that's extra biblical and she secretly raises him and nurtures him along with his nurse for the six years until he becomes king at the age of seven now before you think well that's cool she's a hero I want you to know the depth of how much of a hero she is her resolve and actions preserved the kingdom of God on earth had Jehoshaphat not acted the Davidic line would have ceased and prophecies would unravel and be unfulfilled and God's covenant with Abraham Isaac and Jacob would no longer be in place Christmas would not be celebrated and the hope of the world would fade away into eternal darkness but sometimes God is acting in ways to bring about his will in an extraordinary way. He brings it about by spectacular events of miracles. And I could tell you about those on and on and on. And to be quite honest, I had a number of them I was going to share. But as I was thinking, this message is going to be way too long. uh, Those got cut last night. But without a doubt, you know from history of the Bible and from your own life that God sometimes works in supernatural ways to bring about his word and his promises. Without a doubt, God could have stopped Athaliah. He could have dropped her dead on the spot or he could have stopped her in any manner he so chose, but he didn't choose to do it that way. Instead, he chose to move in an unspectacular way without grandeur he chose to work through a woman who he already had in place whose faithfulness was unquestionable whose courage is undeniable and whose servant-heartedness is selfless if you've ever wondered if your life matters in the kingdom of God or if your service makes a difference I think this text shouts it does I'm not just talking about heroic people who make grand gestures like saving the prince, the king of Judah. I'm talking about living your life righteously as a parent, as a grandparent, as a church member, as a citizen of a country. In quiet ways, God uses people. God uses people he has in places, places of work, in places in neighborhoods, in schools. God uses people. God is using people to rescue children, to protect the unborn and the born, to care for the fatherless. God is using people in quiet ways to selflessly serve behind the scenes to protect and to provide and to prepare children for a future leadership role. There are so many times in my life that I just give pause to people who have had great influence in my life, people that you don't know and people that others don't know, but they made the impact in my life not knowing that there would be a day that I would stand before you as a pastor. I'm grateful for people like that. I think about people like that, the people that God uses god uses common people to minister and teach children training them to love god love his presence love his church love his mission love his worship and love the gathering of the saints never discount the power of living righteously before children and others god uses that in wondrous ways heroes of the word of the the world today stand resolutely against the assaults of truth God uses people who just stand in truth his word and his ways they choose to consistently live that truth and they express that truth no matter the opposition that comes against them God uses people who have holy disdain for idolatry and other false religions that really keep people from knowing the genuine faith that they can have in the one true God such service in the kingdom of God matters If you think, well, I'm not on platform, I don't have the broad skill or personality, God uses people where he places them. We should celebrate the Jehoshabas of the world, people who are already faithful in their service to the Lord, and then they act on that in quiet ways. I think it's intriguing that the Bible only mentions Jehoshabas' name in one verse, and it's the verse that we've read today. She was the daughter of a king, she was the sister of a successor king she was the wife of a priest but we don't know her by her positions and by her associations we know Jehoshaphat because of her courage and selflessness I want you to know that today everyone in this room and those watching can exercise the characteristics in Christ of service to God and others with courage and selflessness you're probably not going to have a position you're probably not going to be the aunt of someone who is going to be the king you are probably not the sibling of a king or a president but i do know this that god uses common people who are in christ jesus with courage and selflessness and if there's a day that we need the christ church to rise up with courage and selflessness it's today we need leaders we need the Jehoshabas of today so I want to leave you with two challenges today one in troubling times don't discount the work of God his word and his mission is being accomplished and although you might not see it today history will prove that to be a fact don't discount what God is doing you're praying for God to work supernaturally, extraordinarily, or in some miraculous way. And sometimes he does, but oftentimes he uses quiet saints to carry out his work with courage and selflessness. Just because you may not see the miraculous movement of God doesn't mean that God is disengaged. He very well is working in our day. Number two, be the Jehoshua of our time full of courage and selflessness be faithful to God trust his promises and then act righteously that's what Jehoshaphat did she not only knew God she not only was given to God but she acted in what she knew and she acted with courage and selflessness I'm so grateful for the challenge that the scripture gives to us and I'm grateful for the people in this room who will receive the challenge and walk differently let's pray in this moment lord we pause to thank you for the historical reminder of what was transpiring among the wicked kingdoms it should have been yours should have been belonging to you bringing honor and glory to your name instead they were doing the opposite i'm thankful lord that in the midst of that you had some jehoiada you had joash you had jehoshua and others who were given to you and you used them in great ways today lord our world is very chaotic our country is progressively moving away from your word and your will and your way our leaders are often self-absorbed but today lord there is a jehoshua a jehoiada a joash who you will use mightily, even quietly, for your glory. And I pray that you'll find them in this room, among these people, among those that are engaged right now online. I pray, Lord, that we would rise up in faith and courage and selflessness and engage. I pray it to the glory of Jesus.